Hey, everybody, <laughs> and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And I'm Jason Lipschutz, Billboard's Senior Director of Music. Uh, I'm, I'm laughing a little bit because we started the show a few, like a minute ago, but I wasn't recording. And it, w- so, it happened to be a minute where I was talking about sports and how my beloved Philadelphia 76ers flamed out in the playoffs and you were you just happened to not be recording that part i understand it's like i planned it keep it moving yeah all right well <laughs> as always uh <laughs> the pop the billboard pop shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop infrequently sports uh on billboards weekly charts in addition you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news fun chart stats and stories new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news about Drake's new single, Laugh Now, Cry Later, storming onto the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, while Morgan Wallen and Gabby Barrett are bringing country back to the all-genre charts top 10 in a big way. In addition, Taylor Swift's Folklore continues to stand tall at number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart for a fourth straight week. And we'll tell you why that's a rather mighty achievement in just a few moments. Plus, Keith will be previewing this Sunday's MTV Video Music Awards and ponder just what the show might look like, considering how social distancing will be in play for the live event. Also, we've got news on new music from BTS, Mariah Carey, Pharrell Williams, and more. But first, before we get started... If you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you never, ever miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. That is plural. Never forget the plural. That will that will direct you into a terrible, terrible website if you don't do it. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you just type in billboard.com slash podcast singular... Yeah. Oh, I I can't even fathom what the, to, the consequences a, might be. Takes Ugh. you to a, a, a check-cashing website. It's real tragic. Um, all right, first up on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, we don't have a new number one as Cardi B's WAP featuring Megan the Stallion holds firm at number one for a second week after it debuted atop the tally a week ago. Meanwhile, Drake's new single, Laugh Now, Cry Later, Featuring Little Dirk debuts at number two. Do not cry for Drake, though. Mm-mm. You see what nope. I did? See what I did mm-hmm. there? Yeah. Um, this is his record-extending 41st top 10 hit. That's that's pretty incredible. Just 41. Quick, can you name all 41? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because, no, I, I can't. We've do got that. 25 minutes. Rattle yeah. them all off. Um, well. Anyway, Laugh Now, Cry Later launches with 69.8 million streams in the week ending. August 20th in the United States, according to Nielsen Music MRC data, of course. The track also had solid sales and airplay starts as well, with 21,000 copies sold and 17.1 million in audience impressions. Also in the top 10, Morgan Wallen scores his first top 10 as Seven Summers debuts at number 6. Too bad it wasn't at number 7. It also debuts at number 1 on the Hot Country Songs chart. Meanwhile... A former number one hot country songs hit, Gabby Barrett's I Hope, rises 11 to 10 on the Hot 100, giving the former American Idol contestant her first top 10 on the list. So yay to Gabby and Morgan. Congrats to them. Uh, The Morgan Wallen single debuts number six on the streaming songs chart, while Gabby's track climbs 28 to 27. 
uh, it's interesting how on a on a chart that is normally full of hip hop and and especially pop, these these two country singles have broken through. And and Keith, what's interesting to me is you know with the Gabby Barrett song that's been climbing up the Hot 100 yeah. for for a while now, and it's it's not shocking that it lifted. Uh, you know, one spot, one spot, one spot, one spot uh, <laughs> into the top 10 this week. What's more shocking to me, Morgan Wallen, who is is a country star that is not necessarily like a household name just yet, no. just charges in with a top 10 debut. And you saw what Seven Summers was doing on streaming uh, platforms all week long. It's, it's really impressive and uh, yeah, just really unexpected to me. It'll be interesting to see if, because um, it always seems like you know a lot of genres have been trying to play catch up to hip hop's dominance on streamers on Spotify and Apple and, and other streamers, and you know we've seen some country artists in the past year or so like Thomas Red and Marin Morris and uh, Luke Combs especially really kind of make a mark with streamers and now you're seeing folks like Morgan and Gabby. Morgan's been percolating though for a while. He hasn't it's not like he just dropped out of the sky. Yeah. And I think this is a lot of anticipation and build up. But still I think it really gives a lot of other country acts some hope, as Gabby Barrett might say. Ah. Um that they too can actually rack up some big streaming numbers. So I think that's pretty cool. I also want to correct one thing I had wrong on our script. Uh Morgan Wallen debuts at number four on our streaming songs chart. So even bigger than you thought, Jason. Even better. Even better. Um, all right, moving over to the Billboard 200 Albums chart. A familiar face is number one, as Taylor Swift's Folklore tops the tally for a fourth straight week. The album earned 101,000 equivalent album units in the week ending August 20th. That's down 26%, uh, but... Uh, it could have been down even more had it not been for a couple drivers that uh, was helping it during the tracking week. The album benefited from the release of a deluxe version of the album at digital retail and streamers that added a bonus track, The Lakes, which was previously exclusive to the physical formats of the album. In addition, Swift dropped some new merchandise album bundles uh, on her official web store and also sold signed folklore CDs at independent record stores across the U.S., which generated quite a bit of buzz with Swifties, Swift fans, as well as independent store owners, which are probably now certified Swifties as well. Dun-dun-dun. That's where Jason reacts, but he's not. He's busy. Um, well, remarkably, he's laughing. That's good. That's good enough for me. Remarkably, Folklore is the first non-R&B or hip-hop album or an album by a woman, period, to spend its first four weeks at number one since Adele's 25 nearly five years ago. Everything in between has been, you know, something like, you know, The Weekends After Hours, which is an R&B album spending its first four weeks at number one, or, you know, like a Drake album spending its first, you know, multiple weeks at number one. So it's pretty unusual to see a pop record or, you know, or something that isn't a rap album or an R&B album actually start at number one and spend four weeks at number one or an album by a woman. So if anyone's going to do it, of course, it's going to be Taylor Swift. So congrats to Taylor. Can she go for five? We shall find out. Uh, by the way, Adele's 25 spent its first seven weeks at number one. Ultimately, it had 10 weeks at number one because it had three more non-consecutive weeks atop the list uh, after its initial seven. Speaking of Taylor Swift, uh, uh-huh. she took home the MTV Video Music Award for Video of the Year last year for You Need to Calm Down, and also performed on the show. 
this year she's nominated again for Video of the Year for The Man, and at the time of this recording isn't scheduled to perform on this Sunday's MTV VMAs. Anything is possible. For all we know, in like 24 hours, she could be headlining the gig. We don't know. Uh, Fun fact, if Swift wins for Video of the Year again this year, she will be the first artist to win the award three times and the first to win it in back-to-back years. Before You Need to Calm Down won for Video of the Year, she also won the VMA for Video of the Year for Bad Blood back in 2015. So, so far she has two Grammys for Album of the Year uh-huh. and two VMAs for Video of the Year. So she could make it number three for Video of the Year, and if Folklore gets nominated for Album of the Year, I don't know, you never know. Who else has won three Album of the Year Grammys? Didn't Stevie Wonder do that? And he might be the only person that's done it? He definitely won two back to back. I don't know if he won a third one, did he? I I, I don't know off the top of my we'll, head. We'll check ourselves later if we're for, and we may just leave this in and you you guys can go uh, fact check us and uh, just tweet at us. Yes, tweet us in all caps. That's all yeah, I want. That's um, what we want. Keith, let's talk about the VMAs really quickly. So as we said, the festivities uh, will be this Sunday, August thirtieth, uh, with a ninety minute pre show starting at six thirty p.m. Eastern time. Uh, while the main show starts at 8 p.m. So performers on the pre-show include Chloe and Hallie, Jack Harlow, Louis Capaldi, who I just spoke to. I spoke to Louis last week, which was very fun. He, he is He's a, a friend of the pod, by the way. And uh, if you go listen to his uh, show that we did with him last year when it was right when uh, someone, uh, someone you loved hit number one on the Hot 100. And he was somewhere in Europe and he was ecstatic and cussing and it was amazing. Well, I talked yeah. to him. I talked to him about uh, him no longer being a one-hit wonder because, <laughs> literally, I well, he's he tweeted when someone you loved hit number one. He was like, he tweeted something along the lines of like, "I'm now your favorite number one one-hit wonder." And I was like, "Listen, man, you got another song before you go is in the top ten right now. You got to retire that." And he was a little bummed about it. He was America's um, sweetheart, and he still is, so yeah. he shouldn't let that go. Anyway, sorry. Back to the pre-show. Uh, the main show is um, hosted by Kiki Palmer. will feature performances from BTS, Lady Gaga, and Ariana Grande together. The Weeknd, Miley Cyrus, CNCO, and more. So, Keith, let's remind our listeners the video of the year nominees. Billie Eilish, Everything I Wanted. Eminem's Godzilla featuring Juice World. Future's Life is Good featuring Drake, Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande Rain on Me, Taylor Swift the Man, and The Weeknd Blinding Lights. Hmm. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, um, the show was originally slated to take place at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. That's not happening anymore. The show will be produced at various locations around New York and Los Angeles. Certainly, there's going to be a lot of, you know, how are they going to pull this off buzz going into the show? Uh, which could get a lot of people to tune in, you know, kind of the curiosity factor. Yeah, I, let's let's just pause for a second before we keep barreling through here. I mean, it, this might be the first show, this might be the first awards show where they're actually staging. I mean, it appears right now that all these performances are actually going to be live. Yep. Yeah, so like the BET Awards, I don't think those all those performances were live. They were in different locations and... You know, but I don't think they were all live. So I think yeah. this could be the first award show that might be like live, live, you know, um, 
did you have any more information on this, Jason, aside from me just sort of spitballing here? Or do no, we, I, that- I don't. I'm I'm definitely curious to to see what it's going to be like. And honestly, the the model, even though it's a, a very different event, um, the DNC, the DNC, yeah. yeah the, honestly, the they they pulled off the virtual convention better than I think anyone. Finally, expected. we can talk about politics in this podcast. Yes. I've been waiting. <laughs> I got sports. You got politics. Um, we <laughs> meet. No we meet in the middle about. of pop music. Um, but yeah, no. I think it's it's going to be really interesting because that to me is the model where, you know, you have uh, recognizable people on stage and kind of keeping your attention to the point where you forget that they're they're in a largely empty room. Right. So it'll be it'll definitely be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I thought the BET Awards did a really great job, but you're absolutely right that it was a lot of pre-shot um, performances, and they kind of looked still like great. yeah, which was still they, beautiful. Yeah, they they looked more like music videos, which is cool. Yeah. But you know, I'm I'm curious to see how they're gonna uh, pull the, this you want, off. You want the danger aspect, you know? You want the um, like that's why you tune into a live broadcast, and that's how you know TV now is is having a hard time with ratings in general, and they're you know, a lot of their bread and butter going forward is going to be from live broadcasts, you know, live sporting events, live award shows. And so if the VMAs can provide kind of the one-two punch of these performances are live and quote unquote, anything can happen, meaning they're kind of winking at you saying, we hope this turns out, you know, like, you know, because if someone trips and falls or says the wrong thing, like you want that to be live, live. Um, So we shall see if, if, Hopefully the podcast listeners can't hear my stomach growling. That's terrible. Um, so we shall. You're hungry see. for a for an eventful VMAs. Thank you. Um, it's a great segue. So we're on the show. We expect Gaga and Ariana to perform "Rain on Me," their number one hit. Miley to do uh, her new single "Midnight Sky," which we which talked about a little bit last week. By the way, debuts in the top uh, twenty on the Hot 100 this week. So uh, congrats to Miley. That's a nice debut. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and BTS to make their VMAs debut with their new single Dynamite, which came out last Friday. So uh, since we're segueing here to BTS, um, what do you think of Dynamite? Uh, you know, the song, the video, the, the whole the whole shebang, the whole the whole shebang. Get it? Dynamite bang. Hey, they. Hey. Hey. Uh, I think it's great. I mean, he, the thing about BTS and I wrote a little bit about Dynamite last week is that as massive as they are, and they are one of the defining pop groups of the past three years, I would say, mm-hmm. they still have a couple boxes to check in terms of having a huge US radio hit. I guess I should I should say boxes to check in terms of their, their US uh, takeover. Right. Uh, top 40 radio hit. They, they haven't really had anything that, that has resonated uh, in a meaningful way at US pop radio. Um, Grammy nomination and a number one hit on the Hot 100. And, I, I, you know, you wonder if Dynamite, which is an English language single, it's extremely catchy. Yeah. It's really engaging. The video is is right in your face. And, you know, but it also doesn't really portray what their core appeal is, which is to, to kind of feature all seven members in their own unique kind of singular vision as part of a group. Right. You wonder if this song is going to check all three of those boxes in terms of appealing to pop radio, becoming, you know, to- potentially topping the Hot 100 
and also being the kind of gateway to major awards recognition. So I think it's I think it's a I think it's a home run. We'll see how much it actually accomplishes. But so Jason is of, saying what Jason is saying. He says it's going to be a big radio hit. It's going to be number one on the Hot 100, and it's going to get a Grammy nomination. I mean, look if that's what they're if the those are three things that they're aiming for. This is the song that could help them unlock maybe not all three, but one or two or maybe all three. I don't know. What What do you think though? Am I way off base? I feel like I read something a long time ago about how BTS was hesitant to record a song completely in English because they really wanted to just sort of stay true to their roots. But I guess maybe that's probably just changed in the past year or so, where maybe they felt like this was the right song at the right moment and the right time to do something in English. But it will be interesting to see if like if an English language track is what it takes to get them to have an entree into pop radio in a meaningful way in America. So yeah, there you go. Some other big new releases that came out last Friday included Mariah Carey's Save the Day uh, as part of a an upcoming uh, rarities, rarities compilation. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of that one? Um, well, it's it it I think it actually co-credits Lauren Hill uh, as the artist on the track, and apparently the song dates back to 2011, um, and I'm unclear on if she basically just sort of fully re-recorded it in 2020 but um it's crediting lauren because it's sampling lauren's vocal in the chorus of killing me softly the Fuji's right. killing me softly um, yeah i think uh, yeah. sorry i i i i thought it was pretty cool it, it definitely is one of those songs that it's going to make me want to check out the rest of this rarities compilation because it's you know you see artists especially veteran artists be like hey these are things that were left over in the studio but like and maybe there's a reason why they were left over (laughs) but mariah carey is one of the biggest hit makers of all time so you figure there's going to be a couple really incredible moments on that you i mean you figure you figure the quality control that mariah has knowing like mariah she's like She's like, they're rarities, but they're actually real good rarities. Like, she's not going to give you like, and here's some leftovers. Like, that's not really what Mariah does. Uh, Also coming out last Friday was uh, The Killer's new album, Imploding the Mirage, which has gotten some of the the best reviews The Killer's have gotten, you know, in the the past decade, honestly. Uh, People really like this album. I I like it. I I think that it's been um, a little bit of time since they put out an album of just kind of like huge springsteen-esque arena bangers and uh this one certainly has a phrase yeah you know i mean i think it's it's they're never gonna um especially for longtime killers fans it's gonna be hard for them to approach the highs of hot fuss and samstown but Yeah. yeah um it's good i i i recommend it and then uh Troy Sivan's new EP, In a Dream, which I friend just... Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. I just wish it was longer, man. Like, it's six songs. It's actually kind of five and a half songs because one of them is, is under a minute. And um, you, I, I wrote about this as well. When you get into a Troy Sivan project, they're just so immersive that you you kind of want to spend time with them. And you he, he throws a, a bunch of different looks at you and... You know, I, that's what's so appealing about his two studio albums. And, and I just wish that in a dream, while I, I think it's it's awesome, especially easy in the um, in the title track, just wish it was a little bit longer. Hmm. Well, maybe he'll drop another EP in the next couple months. Who knows? 
I also want to shout out uh, Pharrell Williams' new single, Entrepreneur, featuring Jay-Z uh, as part of a, uh, a time cover project from Pharrell. That was, that was pretty cool. I, I do, you know, it's for those um, longing for a Pharrell Jay-Z banger in, in the line of like, I just want to love you, give it to me. This it's is, not uh, that. It is not that, but it's no. it's very thoughtful. It's it's very pro- provocative in terms of, you know, black power in America and fighting capitalism and and kind of the the too old system put in place. Um, and you know, I, I Jay Z's verse I think is again I just want more of it. It's kind of like the choice of Ani P. I, he has one verse. I wish he had two or three. But uh, keep him wanting more. Keep him wanting more. Um, um, Good, All right. good music. Good good new music Friday this past weekend. That's just the tip of the iceberg. That's just the tip of the new music iceberg. I can only imagine there could be some more surprises by Friday, which is the end of the grant well, the 30th, next Monday. No, wait, the 31st. <laughs> no, wait. Yeah. No, wait. Uh the 31st is the cutoff for Grammy eligibility. So, there could be a lot of stuff that sort of drops out of the sky this weekend and uh maybe we'll be talking about that in an upcoming episode. You don't you just don't know. You never I'm, know. I, I might be telling you right now, there's probably something we're going to talk about in an upcoming episode. All right. Well, now it's time for the chart stat of the week. Okay, so in honor of the VMAs this weekend, we're going to play Quiz Jason. Normally, this is Quiz Katie. It has a nice yeah. roll off the tongue kind of feel to it. But this time, we're going to Quiz Jason. Uh, instead of doing the traditional chart set of the week. So, Jason, at the first VMAs in 1984, the nominees for Video of the Year were the following. Can you guess who won? Hold back your guess until I finished saying who the nominees were. The Cars with You Might Think, Herbie Hancock, Rocket, Michael Jackson, Thriller, Cindy Lauper, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, and The Police with Every Breath You Take. Jason, what is your guess? Or maybe you just know this. I think I know this. Is it the cars? It is indeed the cars, which yeah. you might think, uh, which may surprise people because you'd think, oh, Thriller, right? Because Thriller is acknowledged as one of the greatest music videos of all time. Well, yep. you know, uh, considering the popularity of Thriller over the decades, it is possibly a little hard to believe. But that said, you might think was actually a groundbreaking music video thanks to its use of computer graphics at the time. Uh, if you watch the video, you'll see what we mean. What they did in that video was incredibly advanced for 1984. Uh, Fun fact, you might think was nominated for multiple awards at the first VMAs, but it only took home the top trophy. Huh. Meanwhile, Thriller actually won three for best overall performance in a video, a category category that doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) Uh, Choreography, which I think still exists. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, as well as viewer's choice. So he didn't, Michael didn't go home empty-handed that year, but it is still an interesting footnote that Thriller did not win video of the year. You Might Think was actually a big hit single back in 1984, reaching number seven on the Hot 100. It was one of five top 40 hits from the Cars album Heartbeat City. So there you have it, a little quiz Jason for this week's Chart Stat of the Week. You might think I'm crazy. All, I want, all, I want you. all right, we've reached the end of our big show. Uh, Jason... Do you have one or two or three favorite VMA performances of all time that you can think of? Uh, it doesn't have to be your favorite, but like some that stick out in your head. You know, honestly, growing up and I, you know, I, I was born in 1987 and growing up in, you know, 
becoming a big MTV fan in the age of TRL and uh, primo primo time. It really was so much yeah. fun to be a fan of of you know MTV and and the Video Music Awards. They were so diverse in terms of the the music back then. Yeah. Where I just remember like. You had like Prodigy and Marilyn Manson one year, and you also had like Brian Setzer Orchestra, and then also the Backstreet Boys, and then also that was the ninety-eight DMX. year. I was in the audience that year. Wow, really? In the very, very, very last row, literally in the very last row. But anyway, go ahead. Um, so honestly, all of those kind of turn of the century performances uh, are near and dear to my heart, and I I want to um, go out on a song that had a very memorable um, MTV Video Music Awards performance. Britney Spears, "I'm a Slave for You." We're going to go out on I'm a Slave for You, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Hey. I'm a-